You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma stories through its people since 1927. Follow them online at oklahomahof.com and definitely on Instagram at oklahomahof. Let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode down in Oklahoma City today. Talk a little bit about barbecue. Talk about some food. You all love barbecuing. You all love eating barbecue. But my guest today is Scott Bartlow of Bartlow's Barbecue. I'm going to put all the links to his YouTube and his channel in the description. You can go check it out on social media as well. We talk because, well, you're probably going to be really hungry if you scroll his Instagram because <laughs> I definitely was. But Scott, thanks so much for coming down. Excited to dive into your story and hear about kind of your backstory and how you get into, you know, the barbecue thing, but also your day job. You're a pastor as well. Yep, absolutely. I'm so, excited. Thank you for having me here. Excited to dive in. Um, so... I mean, right from the start, like where, I mean, where are you like born and raised? Are you an Oklahoman or do you come here like me? Yeah. So no, I'm born and raised Oklahoma city, Northwest Oklahoma city. uh, And then went to Putnam city North and then went to university of central Oklahoma. So uh, I am an Okie through and through. uh, And then I did move to Chicago right after college and lived there for about eight years. Yeah. Uh, And then as we're, my wife and I have built a family, decided to come back to Oklahoma, where we're from. So you met your wife in Chicago? Uh, so actually, you know, we met at the University of Central Oklahoma. Uh, I was in fraternity and she was in sorority, and that's how we connected. Uh, but I always tell her, and we joke now, that she gave me the friend card in college. And so it wasn't until I moved away until we started dating. And then obviously, the rest is history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So pretty, quite homebody then, if you wanted to stay in-state to go to university. Yep, absolutely. And I was... Um, yeah, between my brother and I, um, yeah, we're pretty much homebodies, but then I always had that adventurous spirit, uh, and so that's, I was the first one in the family to move out of state uh, as far as after college, and so yeah. that was a big shock to everybody, uh, but I have an adventurous spirit, so that moving to Chicago was just awesome. You know, lived in the northwest suburbs, uh, and they have a thing called the Metra, and so you kind of get the best of both lives of living in the suburbs, but yet commute downtown to Chicago and see just an amazing city. So, uh, and we always kind of said when I lived there, you're in two seasons in Chicago. It's either winter or construction. Uh, I would say <laughs> Oklahoma's not too far off on the yeah. construction side of things as right. far as the seasons. But yeah, it was a it was a great season living there and then moving back home. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I went there once for a golf tournament in college and it was freezing cold and it was foggy. <laughs> uh, went to the, you know, went to the, the bean or whatever it is and that's about it. Like it was so cold. Had had a great dinner, um, some fancy restaurant that one of our donors took us to, which was really nice. Um, but other than that, I, I haven't felt cold like that for a long time. Like it was so cold. I remember my first winter, this is before I got married, um, and a bunch of us guys, we, uh, rented a townhouse. And I remember my first winter and the weatherman came on and he said, it, it's like, I don't know, 18 below or something just insane. And he's like, literally, do not go outside. You might 
die. And I said, what just, where did I just move? <laughs> I can't even go outside because I'm going to freeze to death. So yeah, I, they've got some brutal uh, winters for sure. Yeah. And, but yeah, you can live there a lifetime and also have just an amazing eateries and play uh, and not visit every place there's so many good like hidden gems yeah, to yeah. eat as well yeah so backtrack a little bit in high school going into university do you know what you wanted to do or were you just kind of like ah let's figure it out yeah no i, I probably had a, a sense since i was in like probably my junior to senior year in high school uh, as you mentioned you know vocationally i'm a pastor uh i, I had a sense probably late in high school that i, I wanted to um you know, had a calling to be a pastor and help people. Um, and, you know, I found God at a really young age, um, but really found that relationship with God probably in middle school uh, and went through some highs and lows in life, uh, just like anybody else, and really found, like, you know what, I'd love to help other people with this. So I kind of got that sense in late high school, but just like maybe anybody else, you know, you pursue uh, as a young adult, just your purpose in life. Mm -hmm. Definitely had seasons of wrestling. Like, do I really feel like God, am I hearing you right? Like, this is what you want me to do. And uh, and so I had a lot of wrestlings through college. So I kind of got, a, when I went to UCO, um, just got a communications degree to kind of have that fail safe of just going, I'm not sure if I'm going to stay down that path uh, long term, uh, but just continue to get that affirmation. So yeah, kind of had a sense uh, at a pretty young age, but uh, always open to, you know, whatever direction that God, I, you know, God might have you yeah, know, in yeah. store for me. So, so do you go to, I mean, does UCO doesn't strike me as a school you go no. to, to become a pastor? No, no, it's not. It's a state school, you know, liberal arts, yeah. you know, definitely it's not a seminary. It's not a Christian base. Right. So it just went there just to get just a basic degree. And then like you were saying, just kind of keep my options open. But mm -hmm. I knew I had a sense that was the path, but I just wasn't sure yeah. when I graduated, I was going to step into that. So I remember, uh, I was thinking I was going to go into human resources. So I, I started interviewing before yeah. I accepted a pastoral job uh, and had an opportunity to interview at a human resources um, business in Oklahoma City. And one of those things that kind of made it very evident that I need to step into being a pastor is at the end of this interview, the vice president uh, knew I kind of had a background in ministry and, and, and being a youth pastor when I was in college mm -hmm. and high school. And she started asking me questions about her son at the end of the interview. Yeah. Uh, she offered me the job, but she started asking me pastoral, like she was asking for pastoral advice yeah. at the end of it. And I left that interviewing going, man, the, the, the seat turned and the conversation turned and it just was almost an affirmation of like, I turned that job down as much as, uh, cause I didn't have an yeah. opportunity. I didn't have a job offer as at another church at that point. And it was kind of a step of faith to kind of graduated college. Your parents were like, you're not living with us anymore you're right. paying your own bills so it kind of took a step of faith but that just realized at that moment there was just subtle uh, messages like that that just seemed yeah. obvious this is the path I needed to step into and then over time now I've been doing it for over 20 years as a pastor and yeah you continue to find those moments of affirmation even in the hard hard seasons Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, the, those the big moments come from those hard, from the hard conversations, right? Like exactly. That's the tough part is is you know you've you know there's so many of us that hate having those tough conversations because it makes us feel uncomfortable. But you know you have a gift at, at being good at it and and resonating and 
not sounding, you know, too much of like, I don't care, right? Because that's, right. that's very hard to come across. Like when you just being there listening to someone, you think, you know, the, the person's like pouring their heart out to you. <laughs> you know, yep. Because you're not saying anything. That's not because you don't care. It's because right. like you're taking it all in and you're waiting to process it all. Absolutely. Uh, but 20 years, yeah, that's um, that's amazing to, you know, to do it and, and to be involved and, and just kind of, you know, there's a lot of people that I know. I went to Southern Nazarene University, right? Yep. So there's a lot of people there who who were, you know, they, they were teachers or what they did a teaching degree, but now they're, they're a pastor somewhere. And, you know, a couple of friends of mine, like they're great on stage, mm. right? Like they yep. just kind of love, that was their thing. You know, other people going to you know, youth or whatever it is, but they just, it's a skill that you've got to learn, right? But, yep. you know, that's one thing I think pastors in general across the board are very good at, at sharing a message, whether it's on stage or, you know, to five people in a small group. Like, it's yeah. really cool to have that and, and then you actually get those affirmations back. Yeah, but over absolutely. 20 years, you've got a lot of those memories. <laughs> no, absolutely. You know, I think the thing that keeps me going as a pastor, obviously, it's it's my relationship with Christ, but it, it's walking with people. You know, I think oftentimes when I was younger in ministry, it's easy. It was easy to kind of aspire to the more visible roles in the church and and neglect just what things that are really important, which is more about the people yeah. um, and walking with people. And so definitely, I think most churches in America, I think, are like seventy five to hundred, and so like. You know, medium to large mega churches aren't like the norm in mm-hmm. America. So a lot of pastors have to be a jack of all trades. Got to be the preacher, got to be yeah. the congregational care, got to, you know, facilitate weddings and everything. And that's part of the excitement, you know. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's something I just kind of discovered about myself, even when I was in middle school through high school to be young adult to where I am today, is I have always had that entrepreneurial spirit. So that's one thing I also enjoy beyond just the walking with people and their faith and the highs and lows of life is you just never know what you might step into. And and a lot of that is exciting uh, to kind of put on multiple hats. Um, I work at a very large church. We have the fortunate to be able to have uh, specialists within the church um, and generalists. But in my role, I get to kind of right now get to play the role of helping us start churches Oh, nice. Uh, and that's kind of uh, what I've come to learn is one of my favorite things to do and giftings is the startup. And so that's kind of what I've, I, I, I'm doing my current assignment as yeah. a pastor at, at a church called Crossing. So that's very entrepreneurial, right? Yeah, like, I mean, literally, you are starting businesses. like Exactly. You know, and, and getting people in the door and, and building congr- congregations. And that's been exciting to discover that because it's taken me uh, to be fully transparent. It's taken me a while to kind of realize within my own calling, um, like, what is my strength as a pastor? And I think over time, just some great, great leaders in my life, great mentors, and even my current pastor just saying, hey, this is clearly a gifting of startup and the building, the pioneering building teams and all the structures. And once I kind of came to the realization, you know, you you don't need to be all things to all people and then just be comfortable with the gifts that God's put in your hands. Uh, It's kind of been a really uh, free uh, living in that freedom in this past three or four years, because that's probably about the the season I've been in living in this current role, being able to do just focus on the startup side of it. So when the pandemic happened, uh, our church, 
obviously all churches had to get creative and go online and we were ready for that. But an, a door opened amazingly. We were in a prison called Joseph Harp uh, yeah. and having our church service there. And that door opened to a, you know, the DOC, the Department of Corrections, invited our church to be in every uh, prison in the state of Oklahoma. So I helped our um, our prison pastor um, for about 18 months, travel around the state, go into prisons and start churches. Wow. And then that led to some other opportunities that we're conti- always continuing to explore uh, within our context. So it's yeah. been really, I give you all that to say, it's been really uh, energizing to kind of uh, put the entrepreneurial things that I've learned over the years yeah, yeah. Uh, into practice for the church. Well, it's amazing too. Like over the last 20 years, the, the churches, like the way that people get a message across has evolved so much. Yeah. I mean, obviously because of, you know, recent pandemic, you guys have to go online. But even before that, you know, there was a lot more social media stuff. There was, you know, it's not just, hey, come in on a Wednesday and a Sunday and just kind of have some food and listen to a 45 minute or 30 minute, yeah. you know, like sermon. Exactly. Like, it's gone far beyond that. <laughs> Absolutely. Know? Yeah, I, I love that a lot. All the churches in this season, or most that I've encountered beyond where I'm at, really stepped in. You know, some of them definitely needed the resources to step up into uh, the media yeah. and stuff, but a lot of them stepped in and just, you know, stepped into the moment of using technology or even getting innovative. We oftentimes use the season at our church to say, well, what do we also need to stop doing and not bring back? Right. Uh, So it was also a good uh, season of evaluating yeah. what, what really matters. That's super exciting, though, isn't it? Because, like, yeah. like I said, you know, you're, you're, you've probably been through all of the experiences of now you're in, a, you know, quite a big church, right? So the it's like a production that goes yeah. on every Sunday, um, you know, and, and going going from wearing multiple hats to just having your, you know, specialty basically. But it's a super exciting specialty to have, and and you know, like raising churches is is something you know that's special, right? Because then long after you're gone, the, you know, like they're still going to live on. That's right. right. Hopefully. Absolutely. That's the hope. That's the prayer. You know, I feel like many years ago, as we're thinking about this conversation, I I feel like I was kind of um, given a dream of an image of that, just something that just inspires me to stay in the game when it comes to raising up and building churches. Um, It was an image of me stepping into heaven um, and with my arm and back to me with a baton to the next generation. So it was just a reminder of going, that's what it's about is yeah. like when we start these things or, you know, even if you're not a, a pastor and you're a business, you want to raise up leaders yeah. to do what you do so that your legacy lives on. And obviously in the church, it's not my legacy, it's, it's God's. So that's what inspires me is just like you were saying, just building up people behind us to, to hopefully carry on the torch yeah. of, of these well, churches that we start. I mean, perfect seamless transition <laughs> the reason we got connected because you sent me a message on instagram saying you need to interview these other people that you do work with yes not the fact that like hey i'm a barbecue guy and i've got twenty five thousand followers on instagram there wasn't that it was hey you should check out this and we'll call them out otis oak yes um, you should check out those guys because you know i'm sure you guys do a lot of work with them with the meat and stuff and i was yeah. like Let's just do us first, like, and then we'll, <laughs> then we'll move to them. Which, for, for people listening, I'll put the links to their social medias in the description as well, so you can go check them out. Um, but like, you know, there's a lot of similarities with 
food, you know, food is such a great vehicle right, yes. for faith, right? 100%. Such, you know, like, like most people think of coffee, right? But look, <laughs> like there's a lot of, you know, you don't just I think drink barbecue. coffee, right? You think of barbecue, <laughs> right? Which is great because literally, I mean, my wife doesn't really care for it that much, but she understands that I like it and basically puts up with me when I go grab some. <laughs> uh, but it's so good, right? Like food of all kinds has just this, you know, this, it's a vehicle to, you know, breaking barriers, right? Like breaking 100%. down people just to kind of sit around and then have a conversation. You know, it, it, it people drop their walls, don't That's they? That's right. You know, 100%. and if it's over great food, like <laughs> that all yes. just makes it better. Yeah. Food. I, I love that analogy too. Cause I, I think, I'm all about, we're building bridges of relationships, mm-hmm. you know, and food, barbecue, coffee, whatever your thing is, we need more of that in our world. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter what, what you believe and, and all that stuff. Like we can, we can find common ground around something that we enjoy. Yeah. So fill in the blank what that is for me, it's barbecue. And I've met so many people yeah. in this barbecue community. It's, it's just been insane. Like beyond my circle that I, uh, I've been living in uh, and I've loved it. I've connected. I've been on a podcast with people in Canada and all across, you know, North America, just meeting new friends because we have a love for barbecue, regardless yeah. of what we do vocationally. It does. It just brings people together and it's so much fun. Oh yeah. Mike, that's the, the and, and you know, f- you could you you bring in so many people and, and no doubt you use it as a vehicle to bring in new people as well because there's people are just going to come to you that like you know when you dive into grilling it's kind of <laughs> like coffee and wine right you've got these like three things that like they people get very serious about their coffee their wine <laughs> so and then true. they're grilling right like <laughs> yes. especially in Oklahoma so 100%. you know you, you, it's a science isn't it? you know <laughs> you probably hate the person who go buys a Traeger and is running it by its app you know like you're like no this is my thing like this is a process and a science and everybody's different but everyone's got the best process right oh it's so true uh, those, those offset smokers you know yeah. they, they kind of hate the pellet folks so, so funny <laughs> I love it but uh, I mean I am a terrible like cook because I, I haven't devoted my life to learning it um, and I would probably be one of those pallet, those pallet grill Traeger people, but I don't even have a Traeger, so or any grill for that matter. Um, which most Oklahomans would think that I'm not a real man if I don't have a grill <laughs> on my back porch. I'm sorry to disappoint you. I love um, it. You know, for me, it's like uh, when it comes to barbecue, I tell people it doesn't matter what kind of grill you have, smoker. Yeah. Like it's about getting in the game. Yeah. Like just get in the game. I don't care if you're a gas, charcoal, wood, pellets, uh, yeah. offset, like. It's just a fun hobby and just the process of watching right. food transform and then get to watch people enjoy it. Yeah. It's 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 really cool. And I'm not I'm not too snobby when it comes to the type of although I've got my preferences, no sure. doubt. I'm not too snobby about, you know, what kind of what kind of grill it got. Yeah. So where like where does it start then? Where where does kinda of like I get do you, does dad have a grill growing up? Is that a big family thing? Like where where for you is that first kind of oh man, I just I just remember being around a grill and the smell and the meat yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, it's interesting because growing up my dad was really just a gas griller. We we weren't really a cooking family, which is really interesting. Um, I feel like I lived on the George Foreman in high school. Like it wasn't healthy. It wasn't like fancy grills or anything. I just, you know, my dad had a grill in the backyard, gas grill. And when I got to college, uh, and you know, got married, I, I was a gas grill guy. So I really didn't get into a true like form of barbecue yeah. until maybe in my young adult career when I lived in Chicago, I remember 
um, a friend of mine having an offset smoker and a green egg. Yeah. And I just being having no being a young adult, young professional with no money, just thinking, man, one day I could be like you and have a green egg, yeah. or, you know, or just some really fancy smoker. That'd be awesome. But growing up, gas grill, and my grandpa owned a grocery store in Omaha, Oklahoma, and he used to, you know, fry. A, uh, and grill things. And so I've got some faint memories of him being kind of in the trenches a little bit, but for the most part, it just slowly became something that yeah. has always intrigued me, um, over time. Um, but I think the turn for me was probably when I was living in Chicago with a friend that had some yeah. really nice smokers and he would cook for, for us. And then I was like, man, I, I gotta learn this. I just was fascinated yeah. by the process. Barbecue and Chicago don't generally go together, right? Do they? <laughs> Not. You know what? Every place, every state has some, sure. some beautiful, like little diamonds in the rough that yeah. you don't know about. I think my only exposure, and this was before I really studied it, but when I lived in Chicago, I, I wasn't into it. I was learning about it. Gotcha. And so probably Famous Dave's was the closest barbecue place. You know, um, you could buy some Famous Dave's sauce here. I don't know if we. Have, I don't even know if we have Famous Dave's yeah. uh, in Oklahoma City or not, but. All that to say, it's probably the closest barbecue shop, but I, you, you have to really travel outside. But downtown, I'll tell you, downtown has all uh, the stuff uh, in, in Chicago. So, yeah, I, I my friend of mine, he gave me an offset, a really kind of rusted out one when I was in Chicago because he, he knew I was just kind of you know, drooling over his barbecue. He's like, man, let's just get you started. So he gave me one that he, he wasn't using. And I remember my roommate at the time was like, I made, I always tell this to people, I said, like, I, he's like, you made the worst ribs ever. Like you overburnt the ribs. Yeah, yeah. Like they were, they were just, they were charred. And he's like, and so I, I it's become a principle for barbecue for me. He's like, you've, sometimes you've got to make bad barbecue yeah. in order to make great barbecue and so it's been a lesson ever since I was determined it's like I want my roommate now you know we're both married and have kids yeah, yeah. like now he he looks to me that same roommate we're both best friends and he looks to me he's like ask me you know uh, right. barbecue tips and I've sent he even sent him a grill um you know a, a smoker and, and so it's fun to kind of look back on that memory um yeah. you know so many years ago we're going I mean I had no clue what I was doing and just stepping into it. But that's part of the journey, you know, of anything that I look back and go, and I'm still learning. You know, I'm not a culinary expert. I'm a backyard barbecue enthusiast that is self-taught and I learn from others and then you learn from your mistakes, you know, and then then you learn best practice from others and you just kind of make it your own. So many analogies from food, right? Like, especially barbecue, like the whole process is like, you could just, you know, like just put it on something else, right? It's it just so relates true. to so many things. It does. Um, but the good thing is like when you, you know, when you get to a point, like you said, you'll never probably master it because it's very hard to master it because yeah. everybody's different. That's but, right. you know, like that satisfaction of, of like, you know, your roommate having now sending you questions, right? Yeah. Or just like feeding people who've never had barbecue before. And you're like, this is amazing. <laughs> How <laughs> Absolutely. did you do that? Uh, which is pretty special. But 
diving into I guess like the building a brand side of it then because sure. that was probably I mean as far out as like not even knowing how to cook I, you know he's like I don't I never thought that I'd build a brand and have brand deals and have a social media following like oh my gosh you know. that's so true so this start this side of it started in the when the pandemic happened and I remember a friend of mine I were chatting and he kind of made a comment that inspired me that led me onto this journey of of the create content creation yeah that wasn't even on my radar. And he said, like, let's use the pandemic as a season um, for creating and not consuming. Uh-huh. And that really inspired me because like, it'd be easy. Obviously, we all have jobs. You got to do things online now for that season. But yeah. like when you have your extra time, let's not be sitting and just binge watching Netflix. What would right. it look like to actually use our time to be creating mm-hmm. versus consuming? So that actually kind of put me on a journey of like, OK, you know what? I, I have this hobby of barbecue. Um, what would it look like to, you know, create, um, you know, not just barbecue, but just film it and take pictures. And I just remember another friend was like telling me, he's like, he hates seeing food posts on people's profiles. Like, you know, that's just his thing. Uh, an aversion to. So I was like, you know, I'll just create a separate account that's just for barbecue, for people that love food versus my personal, yeah, yeah, personal yeah. one. Yeah. I just started posting pictures on Instagram and videos and it really started with pictures. Uh, now it's, it's all pretty much all video, but, yeah. and that, that started growing and slowly taking off. And then I started getting encouragement. Well, why don't you put a full recipe on, you know, on video, maybe put it on YouTube and, and gosh, like I said, I, you know, had no clue what I was doing. Production. I mean, gosh, like, you know, you guys have heard a little bit. I'm a pastor, so I, I that's not my expertise is to know how to film. Yeah. Like, you know, I know how to communicate, but it's not, again, even communicating, I wouldn't say is like my strength. Right. Uh, so I was like, there's just a lot of unknowns, but I'm just kind of doing this for friends that maybe are interested. Yeah. And it just grew over time. And then once I began to realize that this was an, uh, you know, a niche, if you will, and there was a, art to it. If you really studied it, you start learning there's a, there's a process to content creation. Oh, there's a thing called branding and, and having brand deals. And, um, and so I didn't, I didn't know any of that starting out. I just yeah. kind of did it and I didn't I even have a logo or anything. Uh, and then over time I was like, okay, I probably needed a logo. So I paid for a cheap one off of Fiverr, you know, and, and it was not really a good logo <laughs> at all. And I'm not even saying my current one's great, but it just, it just wasn't great, but it just became fun. And so for me, the content creation, why I continue to do it is it's a hobby that is very fulfilling. It's a creative outlet um, that really kind of energizes me. And there's a lot of other benefits of why I still enjoy it. Yeah. But that I started learning. I started researching. And that's one of the things I love to do. I love to research. So I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to put that same principle to barbecue. So I started researching content creation and best practices and realized, yeah. oh, there's actually a strategy to YouTube. Oh, I, oh, there's a thing called an algorithm. What the heck is yeah. that about? I just haven't paid. just never paid attention, you know. Yeah. It's like when you buy a car that you're interested, all of a sudden you see that car everywhere. That was true for me on YouTube and the, the words like algorithm and analytics and all this yeah. stuff. Um, and and then brands start approaching you or you're approaching brands that you're interested. They start asking you questions about, you know, yeah. your demographics of people. And, and you're like, oh, I, I, 
I gotta find that feature on my. Right. Let me figure I, out what the insights me, are. Let me figure that out. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, because when I first started, I didn't know any of that yeah. stuff, and then having a, you know, a, I guess a CV for your, you know, um, like a media for, kit, a media whatever, kit yeah. for your content creation. I had to create one of those, and so it's it's been. I've learned a lot, and I'm still learning because it's yeah. only been probably well, maybe three years into the content creation right. um, side of it, not the barbecue side, but uh, the content creation. So yeah, yeah. The thing is, that's two different animals, right? You got to focus on cooking, cooking great food, you know, and also feeding a family, right? You're not just like throwing this food away. You, it's going to somebody. But then you've got to focus on the editor side of you, which is like, okay, camera angles, audio, and like figure out like, how do I make this a compelling story? That's right. Like this, you know, <laughs> cooking's hard enough as it is. Yeah, 100%. You know? And then, so. uh, yeah, to do it. And another challenge recently has been not only with the video, because you, you do have a little grace when you're doing video. Yeah. You could splice things that you don't yeah. want. You're like, I totally screwed that one yeah. up. I'm just going to splice that. Editing is I'm going to edit this to make it look good. This is awesome. Uh, and, and so you, there's that side. But one thing that's been a great challenge in this season is I've been having the opportunity to do live cooking shows. Oh, wow. And uh, one of the companies I work with has been asking me to teach live from my backyard, use my iPhone uh, and my laptop and have different angle, yeah. uh, angles. And then I'm just walking an hour's worth of live teaching. But the room for so error... So people, people cook with you during yeah. this time then, Yeah, right? so yeah, just yeah, a yeah. few evenings ago I did it and I had about close about a thousand of my closest friends watching me cook barbecue. We reverse seared a ribeye steak with some Hasselback potatoes. I That's hope amazing. you're hungry listening to this. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I just walked everybody through that recipe uh, previous class I did a month ago was party chicken wings with some Alabama white sauce. And so I, I bring that up to say that, that was another challenge for me in this content creation. It was getting opportunities to teach live classes. Yeah. Uh, and, and like you're saying, balance out. I've got to focus on the recipe, make sure I'm not doing ev- everything's right. Don't overcook something while yeah. I'm paying attention to, you know, the camera shots or whatnot. And then you, you have know. a Q&A feed as well, right? People are asking if you're yeah. live, people are asking you. Yep. Live. Yeah, and I had uh, AirPods in, making sure, and I'm new to AirPods, and so, you know, falling out my big ears, and I'm yeah. like, oh gosh, and, you know, I'm, I'm live on here, you know, so yeah. it's been a fun journey to kind of also experience the live aspect of cooking and teaching too, but really energizing uh, to help people, and I think that's why I also do the, the, the creation is teaching people the basics, because I yeah. think every, you know, uh, you know, any person, man, you know, woman that's into barbecue and grilling should be their backyard heroes for their family right. and their neighborhood. Like, it's just fun. Yeah. And it's introduced me to so many neighbors. Like, I remember last summer being at the park with my girls and my uh, one of my neighbors that I, at the time I didn't know was my literal backyard neighbor. Yeah. Uh, we were just get chit-chatting, kind of somehow talked about food and talked about barbecue. So, oh, yeah, barbecue all the time. He's like... Wait a second. <laughs> Are you the guy that I smell barbecue like all the time? Like right behind me, we connected the dots. We were literally, you know, you know, neighbors from uh, the back fence, and now we share bar- our barbecue with each other and peek over the fence uh, and just check on each other. So it, it, you're right; it just brings people together, and and it's been fun. It's so awesome to have that realization. He's like, you're the guy that makes me hungry every day. <laughs> I smell it every single time. Wait a second. <laughs> Oh, that's brilliant. But you're right. Like, and I love the, you know, that it all comes back from, you know, creating, not consuming. Because, you know, that is something that's a lesson that, like I said, doesn't have to be in food. It can parallel to anything. 
the fact that you're out there creating something, uh, you know, and it could be food, it could be, you know, a poem, a writing, it doesn't matter what it is. The fact of being creative and creating something gives you so much more, you know, like, it's better than just scrolling, doom scrolling, lying in bed, and then it's like, oh, it's midnight. I've been in bed (laughs) since three, you know, I've been in bed since 10 o'clock, and I've wasted two hours of my life. Um, But it's amazing how it's evolved, right? How in two years, you know, three, this is the third year, you know, like the content's, Evolved, and like I said, you're a researcher, so you dive into how many times do I need to post on YouTube? Yeah. Like, what are the video? Like, what what are the thumbnail stuff? And like, exactly. this whole algorithm, which is a minefield and changing all the time. Uh, but then, obviously, having a great you know Instagram following and figuring out the differences with just yeah. you know because no, nothing works on one that really works so on the true. other. You know, I'm on you know Pinterest, which is kind of funny to say. <laughs> and they just started like their version of Reels, you know, yeah. and called Pins, and then TikTok I'm on, and and you're right, all for all those platforms are so unique. What I thought might work on something, you yeah. know, now that's kind of a fun challenge to figure out what connects, and you got to think about your just like in business, you got to think about what your hook is, right. and what's going to be that shot that's going to be really fascinating for people to want to click. Yeah. I had one video that really actually helped grow my Instagram, not just this summer was a 16 second clip. And I really didn't plan it for this reason, Yeah. Uh, but it was kind of an ASMR, which is kind of gets, it's the whole idea of some the sounds and things that really trigger your brain. Yeah. Uh, and it was me removing what's called a membrane from ribs. And then the ribs, the, the sound of the, the membrane pulling off and then the ribs slapping the, the cutting board yeah. got 13 million views. <laughs> And I'm like, what just, and I was on vacation. I was like, what just happened? Like, and I didn't even really plan that to go like, I'm, I'm shooting this. Right. To this go is going to blow up, right? Yeah, this is going to go viral. Cause I'm to yeah. the point where I'm like, I, you know, you just, at least what I do vocationally, like I'm not doing, I'm just doing this for fun. Right. And so, uh, and I'm curious, and I am curious of what works and what doesn't, but I wasn't like, I got to create this viral video. It's, it just was, this is fun. This is a fun shot. And, but it just was fascinating to see um, what worked. And that same video did not do as well on some of the other channels, like 13 million views. That, that just didn't happen on the other channels. So it's like yeah. me trying to capture that moment and go, how do you recreate that? Uh, you know, it's pretty. it was pretty difficult uh, to figure that one out. But it's interesting what really connects and what doesn't. Isn't that know? crazy? Yeah, I'm, I'm watching it now, and you're right. <laughs> it is very, like, it's literally just you pulling off the membrane. Like, it's very basic, Yeah. you know? But, and at the time, you're like, I need to post content. Let me just post this. Probably, like, there's a lot of the stuff that I do as well. And the last thing you think is, this is going to, I mean, 13 point, that's nuts, right? It's Some nuts. people are like, oh, I got 100,000 views. It's amazing. But like a million is nuts. 13 million the is comments like, are hilarious. You know, I think yeah. that, to me, that's what really kind of brings, it, it can really trigger you if you're not careful. You got to let things, oh, you, yeah. you got to let that stuff go, shake it off. Yeah. Never take it personal. But like, especially on this one, like, you know, you were saying up top, like barbecue or any niche, everyone's going to have like, this is the way you've got to right. do it. You got no membrane people, membrane people, people commenting on my or commenting on my bananas in the background. We're like, your bananas are, they're done. Like, you need to throw those away. I'm like, you, you don't care about the ribs. They're just like, looking at what's why in the does background. It matter? So you, know? you just get a chuckle, you know, yeah. like the things that people pick up on. 
on your videos and yeah. you're just like, okay, that just made me laugh. T- tell me a little bit about kind of like local then collaborations that you've done and, and kind of local companies, obviously like the one that originally you know, reached out for, um, you know, Otis Oaks and a bunch of others. Like what's it like being in Oklahoma, being from here and having this kind of like tie and, and now business relationship with yeah. local ranching and farmers? It's become really important now that I've stepped into this, you know, really supporting local farmers, mm-hmm. you know, or, and farmers throughout the nation. But definitely I've been, I started re- my wife and I started researching. She actually put me on to a few of these farmers. There's Otis Oaks and we're, we're friends from college. And, and then I didn't know at the time, you know, that he was starting his own, his own little thing, farming thing. And, and so we started talking and I was like, man, like you got to get your stuff out there. Like what you, what you have is so good. And then we found out, uh, another, you know, uh, you know, farmer that we also purchased from just to support. He's a, a veteran owned, um, rancher. And so we support them. And then there's another one in Kansas called E3 that yeah. I support. So I try to support multiple just cause I think local ranching is so important farmers. Uh, and, and they all have their unique niche and story. But when you were talking about Oklahoma, like a few of these are just Oklahoma based. And so you, you, sh- you love Oklahomans. Like, you know, that's one of the reasons why we moved back home is it's a family friendly place to live. It's cost of living is amazing, obviously. And, but the, it's the people that make the state. Uh, and so that's what really connects me to these in my barbecue niche finding local farmers and yeah. and just supporting them and knowing that supporting their families and then telling their stories, trying to get their stories out because, and they're the real heroes. And then the price of produce and, and meat is just outrageous. And these farmers are trying to find creative outlets to uh, make it affordable for you, yeah. you know, versus, you know, some of the big stores out there. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, that's, they're getting pinched and they and squeezed in every, every angle possible. And, you know, they're so great for not just local, you know, and, and, and local economy and, and like, but health wise as well, you know, like yep. there's something about eating food that was grown, comes out of the ground, not, not a processed stuff that, that we all love sadly, because it sometimes tastes better. Well, sometimes <laughs> depending on who's cooking it, That's right. <laughs> uh, you know, cause, but, but you're right. That's probably one of the things that, that kind of puts people off buying local food is that it's a bit more expensive. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You know, another business I think I've worked with and you were asking is like, I've worked with Schwab uh, and they, they've been a fun company that are Oklahoma based, try to connect with different uh, barbecue uh, stores, you know, throughout the state and just support them. Uh, and there's all, I don't have these grills, but Oklahoma Joe's Cosmos yeah. Q is just, he's, he's a huge barbecue um, guy and has his own. Is that the products. guy in Tulsa? He's in Oklahoma city. Okay. Um, and he has his own product line and sells grills, but his whole thing is rubs and, uh, and and sauces and things like that, but has a store off of I forty. But he's mm-hmm. big in the barbecue world. Done comp- one competitions, um, but there's a lot. There's a lot of cool Oklahoma barbecue uh, stories out there yeah. uh, that have their own either rubs uh, or smokers, like Oklahoma Joe's is an example. And there's a lot of even offset companies out there that are based in Oklahoma. Yeah. But Texas oftentimes gets the, the attention. Yeah. Um, but man, we've got just fantastic barbecue guys in, in Oklahoma that are winning, winning championship uh, mm-hmm. barbecue across the nation. Uh, and yeah. and just slowly, you know, just have to tell their stories to go, man, like, 
we can make good barbecue here in Oklahoma. Yeah, that's one of the tough things, isn't it? If a people like they, you know, if they like barbecue, they they usually find one that they love, and they will not go anywhere else. That's right. right? It's like kind of forcing them to say, "Hang on, look, I know you love this. You know you're going to get great food here. Just try somewhere else for once, right? Yeah. And figuring out. But then it goes deeper than that because they know exactly what they want. Sometimes if they go to multiple, they're like, "Well, I like the ribs from here. Yeah. I like the brisket from there. Yep. And then you just kind of build this like. Monster plate is taking you an hour to collect from oh, around a couple so true. And it's for me, it's also kind of turning out. You know, I, I don't mind spending more money. Uh, barbecue and food in general is expensive right yeah. now when you go eat at a restaurant. And so, even going to a barbecue joint, you might be thinking, man, it's just so expensive, even right. for a one or two people. But you start thinking about the faces that it's supporting their business. Yeah. But I also balance out cooking from home. So I try to support the, the local families also at the barbecue joints, but I also hold the intention of going, well, I can also right. make it from my own backyard. And now my wife prefers steaks from home than going to a restaurant and yeah, spending yeah. a ridiculous amount. You can make, if you know what you're doing, you can make just as good, if not better food at home yeah. if, you, if you really learn the art of it. That's one thing I love here, and one thing my parents love when they visit is the fact that like the steaks here are just so much better than they are back home, and I don't know why, but they just are. Like, and they, I mean, they're just bigger, thicker cuts. Like, I just, it's it. The one, the first thing my my like my parents want to do when they come here is go to a steakhouse. <laughs> I right? love it, and it's also because it's I think generally this it's a lot more cheaper here. Than it is back home to eat steak, yeah, which imagine. you know with yeah. all that stuff. But yeah, it's kind of funny to, to have them <laughs> visit and stuff. But um, tell me then the the obviously age old question of what are your favorite barbecue places in town? Because there is plenty. But I, don't tell me the favorite. I want to know what like what's the latest one that's come up that's new? Because everyone yeah. knows their barbecue spots and probably yeah. will understand the probably names. Probably my but. few favorites. And again, I, I appreciate all the places in Oklahoma City. Um, but one of my favorites I really enjoy is, uh, is the butcher stand. I don't know if you've ever been oh, there, yeah. but it's off that beaten path. I forget I forget what little town it is, Wellston or something Wellston, like that. Yeah. Uh-huh. Probably my favorite. Uh, and they've got great rubs as well, but just a cool environment, great food. Great people. Um, love Texlahoma. So a few of those places are more like on the side of town where I live. Yeah. Obviously, there's some really good places in central Oklahoma City and probably Yukon. But those are more like two I frequent, you know, yeah. when I can if I'm not making it myself. Yeah. And, and there's many more, like I said. So Butchers, you got to take off the butcher, bar, butcher barbecue sound. You do. Like it's... It, because there's there's so much and, and it's fun like knowing their story, right? And it's literally just being a stand and now they have like a legit in-house like big restaurant. I mean, it's not it's a big space now, isn't it? You know, Absolutely. Like, first time I went there they had the, the cover but it was just like a, a barn. It wasn't like filled in and they didn't have you know, they had bench seating and stuff. It wasn't like it is now. But it's just an experience going up early in the morning, getting in line, and then waiting for them to roll it out at what eleven o'clock or ten thirty when they start. And that whole like family type experience of yep. you know, like I can't remember what the guy's name is, but you know, he, he welcomes everybody in. He does you know, gives that big speech, and then then you know they're off to the races, and you and get your food. That's right, and people are standing out line just waiting yeah. to, until they're done. You know, it's, it's such a cool. You're right, it's an experience. Yeah, and that's really what you want. You know, when you're cooking barbecue, you, you want the experience to kind of bring people in, and yeah. then obviously it's just a amazing when it tastes, it tastes awesome as well. Right. So, well, I mean, because this has been such kind of like a, a still a short period of time, 
and obviously this you know this ties into your pastoral job and the things that you do which is it couldn't be better what's kind of like your plan and goal for the future i mean you've had some time to figure it out and thought that hey this is a legit thing now like i can really do some damage with this i can really make an impact yeah what do you want to do with on the barbecue side of things, yeah, yeah. you know, I, I'm still, I'm still on that journey. I've definitely got more clarity than ever. I would say my personal mission in life is creating environments uh, that ha- help others have an encounter with Jesus and come fully alive. So for me, like, I, like we were talking about building bridges of relationships and how food brings people together. So I kind of using thinking about barbecue content creation one to teach people the basics, but I'm, how it ties to ministry for me is it, it's become a personal ministry, one that allows me just to build friendships out of my circle um, with no with no intention of trying to, you know, just just be Scott, be uh, live out my faith naturally and just authentically and uh, and then just follow those prompts. So for me, on that side of it, I'm viewing it just as a personal ministry of barbecue. Um, it's also uh, been able to be kind of that little, um, side hustle that I won't say a significant amount, but just enough to be able to bless family that you know, I'm able to make a little income on the side now. Yeah. Uh, and that helps, you know, um, different things that, you know, you, you want to do. And so, but for me, it's the, it's the creative aspect that keeps me going, the personal ministry. And then now it's a little, I guess you can call it a holy hustle. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I love that's that. not the right word, but yeah. you know, just to kind of help support the family in different ways. Yeah. Um, and so that's what keeps me me going as far as my plans I'm just kind of ta- I'm just taking the journey as it goes I, I don't know if I I don't think I feel at least at this season I don't feel the the sense if you we use this in, in the church world a lot uh, calling if you will yeah. uh, to maybe do this full-time barbecue but if some for some reason if that door opened I, I guess I'd have to I would, I would explore it but yeah. I don't get that sense right now it's just a fun personal uh, ministry yeah. and something that's blessing the family and making just tremendous friendships so I'm just kind of going along with the ride and yeah. and see where it might take me yeah because you're right if you think that you know you think oh, I, I I want to go open a, a spot, right? Then it becomes a job. It gets serious. Exactly. It takes the fun out of it, right? hundred you know, percent. Because it, you're not like, right now it's like, yeah, I get probably get some free meat or I get some steaks and I get some great content and I get to share this story and it's fun. Like it's a release for you. Exactly. And that's where it all started. A, a, a mentor, a leadership mentor told me a long time ago, it's like, you need to find a hobby, that yeah. you enjoy. So I tried biking. I tried running and marathoning. Uh, I hate it, man. Like that sucked. Like, it does. That, yeah. I was like, it, and it's a love language for some people. Like yeah. it's just like barbecues for me. It's like people's thing. And I wore the spandex friends. Oh, it yeah. did not look good, feel good. I did not enjoy that journey. So I, I threw that stuff off. I try to stay healthy for sure. Uh, in other paths, but that, barbecue became that hobby and so and that side uh thing that was rewarding and fueling the soul beyond beyond my faith so yeah so it started you're right i wanted to that's kind of the litmus test for me is like if this begins there's no doubt like video creation is still a job yeah. <laughs> like even though it's this is fun there's a lot of work to you know i film everything on my iphone i yeah. edit everything on my iphone as well because i wanted to keep it simple and because now, you know, these, these have amazing, amazing. cameras yeah. and, you know, bought some lighting and stuff like that. So it's still work, but it's enough work to, that energizes me. Yeah. And I think that's a litmus test for me. If it becomes where I feel like it's, um, 
it's it's really just draining me. Then I'm gonna take a pause and reevaluate. And I even got to the point where I started researching with analytics. And, you know, you want to be consistent with your posting, and I still do, but I still have this filter in my head like. I'm not going to be a slave to yeah. um, posting weekly if it if I can't do it because that's not my main my main focus. I got a family. Yeah. Uh, now you'll see if you follow me, I, I do post a lot, but I found I think I found a rhythm where it just I post when it's energizing. Yeah. I try to include my daughters into it uh, and my and and my family and my wife and and they are just uh, an amazing support as well. They enjoy yeah. they enjoy the food and they enjoy. The, the road so much so my nine-year-old's you know uh learning about youtube and analytics and she's starting to talk the language and i'm like this is kind of fun and i'm some might have different opinions of you know that young but I, you know i've actually set them up with a fun kids channel with all the appropriate things that you need to do for kids yeah. and now she's learning some skills like filming and editing and she's researching analytics yeah. and it's super fun as a dad to be able to sit down with your kids and see what their passions develop but actually learn some tangible skills about stage presence and mics and mm-hmm. uh, and she's researching as yeah. a nine-year-old like she's researching stuff and it's like so this is pretty cool to watch you know her but i'm trying to you know keep it in balance for her and like still right. be a kid but so anyways it's a little side tangent that's really cool to have that experience as a dad right because there's a lot of dads out there that like would just love to have something that they get to do with their kids like you know and and back to your point you know you you keep it fun and and you know there's probably going to when you, when you start thinking I need to like knock out a post here or I need to do you know I need to create some content but it starts taking you away from your family time that's when you know to take a step yeah. back right? Like, right okay we need to reevaluate here because this is not the goal exactly uh, but like you just said to have the kids involved is uh, you know that that kills two birds with one stone right it, <laughs> like, it's, it's awesome. really cool you know it, on my barbecue stuff I have them as uh, taste testers yeah. and or I'll do blind taste testing I'll have a few proteins for people to go which is better yeah. and I'll have them be taste testers and it's super fun to and you know I, <laughs> there was one there was one video I did on charcoal versus gas video to help people learn like the differences and cooked a protein I think it was like steak or something like that on a gas grill versus a charcoal grill had my daughters uh, be blind taste testers they had yeah. no clue which one they guessed right they guessed the charcoal because I cook on charcoal all the time. They yeah. guessed charcoal. They guessed right. I was like, I'm raising them right. All right. This is, <laughs> this is good. This is pretty impressive. They actually knew the difference. So <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, mate, I really appreciate you coming down. Really appreciate kind of just you reaching out and just seeing, you know, your journey and then just kind of loving, you know, like I said, finding a hobby and, and just coming back to, you know, creating and not consuming. Like that's a really valuable lesson for people yeah. listening, regardless of if it's food, coffee, you know, making cakes, anything. Like if you can go out, you know, create videos, just go and like, you know, put your mind and use your time, right? right. Rather than, you know, just like I said, doom scrolling on your phone watching endless TikToks or whatever. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but for people listening, I'll post the links to Scott's uh, barbecue page in the description and then any other links that you want to send me for okay. people you work with and highlights, we can we can do that as well in the Oklahoma companies. Sure do um, appreciate it. But yeah, I really appreciate it. And for people listening, we'll catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma stories through its people since 1927. Follow them online at oklahomahof.com and definitely on Instagram at oklahomahof. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. 
For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.